We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. If you'll turn with me very quickly in your Bible to the book of Acts. You got that book in your Bible? All right, then you got the right one then. Check your neighbor's Bible and make sure they got that book in it. <clears throat> if they ain't got that book in it, they missing the book. They missing the book that ties the whole thing together. Amen. I want to turn your attention again to one scripture in Acts 23. Acts 23 beginning in verse 11. Uh, Acts 23, 11. And the night following... The Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in, Rome, in Jerusalem, thou, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. This is where I ended last week, and we'll start here tonight. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. I ask that you would let this word speak to our spirit tonight. Lead us and guide us through your word. And we speak this in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name. The church said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So before I get into my word tonight, I just need to... So on Sunday, we're going to have like a flag parade. And we want every person represented for their nation, for their culture, uh, carrying a flag. And so there's a few countries that I need people to help me carry the flag. I got some already done uh, and some people that I've already asked tonight, but here's some countries that I need. I need someone to be able to carry the Nicaraguan flag, Mexico flag, Guyana flag, um, Nigeria flag. Um, got that one, got that one, got that one, got that one, got that one. Honduras, Colombia, Liberia, Germany, St. Vincent, Panama, Haiti, Peru. I already got Peru. Never mind. Uh, Ethiopian. I need someone to help me carry that flag. Dominica and the Dominican Republic. And so I have people carrying flags for all the other countries. If you didn't hear your country, probably because I already have somebody carrying the flag. Uh, but if you didn't hear your country, please let me know. Let me know what country I need to get. If we can get it tonight. We can have it here by the weekend because we want all, every nation in our church to be represented uh, for that moment. So if you didn't hear your country, and yes, we got somebody to carry the United States flag, calm down. Right. Somebody like, you want to say America. Calm down. We're going to have that. Amen. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have a good time in the house. All Nation Sunday is going to be awesome. And please just uh, be listening probably by Saturday sometime. We'll let you know about uh, the... Um, the trucker tree, what we're going to be able to do with that. It is supposed to rain. So that's, um, that's some, that's some stuff that, you know, we're just trying to work out. Um, so let, we'll, we'll let you know. Um, so last week we ended with this scripture and we, I, I think I read a couple past it, but I'm going to start here again, begin here again. And, and we're not very far from being done with the book of Acts. Maybe, maybe tonight and one more Wednesday night and we'll be finished with the book of Acts. I've really enjoyed uh, this kind of teaching. This is the first time I've done this kind of teaching. I felt to 
go back. We've, we've, we've been through the book of Acts. I think we've been through the book of Galatians. We've been through some books here at Truth Chapel. But this is the very first time that I've done scripture by scripture, every word of the, of the book. And I, I love it. I love this kind of expository teaching um, because it brings out a whole lot of nuances that me and you didn't catch while we were reading it or before. And so I, I've enjoyed being able to, to go on this journey with you and studying my, my own uh, self uh, and getting ready for the, the, the lessons. It's just different things that have been pointed out that I've never, I've, I've got a bunch of messages out of this that I'm going to preach at some point. I'm going to give you all some time so you all forget about it. And I'm going to come back. It's going to be brand new to you. Amen. So um, in this moment, uh, Paul is in prison. And they have captured Paul. And the Jews are wanting to, um, you, you know, the Jews are wanting to um, kill Paul. And, and this is what's happening. They, they've got themselves in, in uh, just, just gathered men together. And they are going to kill Paul. They put him in prison. Uh, while they're putting him in prison, they get the Romans uh, to take him prisoner. They're about to flog him, beat him, and he says, is it okay for you to be a Roman citizen without just cause? And they say, oh, you are, you're a Roman citizen. He said, yes, I am. I am Jewish blood, but I am, I do, I'm a public and I hold a Roman citizenship, and you can't just beat a Roman. You have to have just cause. Now, you can beat a Jew just because someone accused him, but you can't do that to a Roman citizen. And so they stop this moment and they begin to take Paul through the entire process of being tried as a Roman. And during this time, uh, there are men who are trying to kill him. There are men who are trying to get in. Uh, they're trying to uh, set up a mob, so to speak, and, and get to Paul. And the Lord comes down and stands beside Paul in his jail cell. This is an amazing moment because you have to realize that this is Jesus. You will notice if you got the kind of Bible I got, this verse in verse 11 is in red letter. So Jesus comes down and stands beside him. This is one of the only times in the New Testament that this happens. When, when Stephen sees Jesus, he sees him in heaven. Right before Stephen dies, he's the first martyr, he lifts his eyes and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of glory. And he's standing there. And that's what Stephen sees. But in this moment, Paul is in prison and uh, there's, there's different moments when it says the angel of the Lord came down and, and talked with Peter, okay? So we have these moments where when Peter's in prison, the angel of the Lord come down to speak to him. But you notice when the angel of the Lord speaks, it is just regular wording. It's not red letter because it's just an angel that the, that the Lord sent. It's an angel of the Lord. It's not the Lord. When Paul has this experience, Jesus himself comes down in the prison, stands beside him and said, be of good cheer. You're going to make it through this, and you will go to Rome. You will, you, you will, you've testified to me in Jerusalem, testified of me in Jerusalem, and you will testify of me in Rome. What we talked about last week was this moment where two separate times through two separate people who were verified through the scripture as being prophets spoke to Paul openly and said, do not go to Jerusalem. They will bind you. You will be bound. Notice both of these people never said that they would kill him but they just said that they would bind him. Like, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to jail. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to jail. But Paul was okay. Paul knew this was going to happen. And Paul was able to walk into this very tough situation because he had the, he had the wherewithal to understand that God was on his side. 
And even if he would be put in this tribulation, God would see him through this tribulation. And so here he is. He's there. And the Lord says, I'm getting you out of here. You will go to Rome. So watch the next few scriptures. Very beautiful. Um, I think so. I, I think it's amazing what happens. And verse 12. And it, was, and it was day. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. So here are Jews who are mad at Paul because he's broke Jewish law, but now they are putting themselves under a curse, which is against Jewish law. They're, these are Jews willing to break the law so they can kill a man who they think broke the law. I'll let y'all deal with all that right there. That's a lot to unpack right there. <coughs> and there were more than 40 which made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down tomorrow as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, uh, or ever he came near, are ready to kill him. So there, this is a conspiracy. They're saying, hey, we want you to bring him down like you have something to talk to him about. When he gets down here, we're going to jump on him. We're going to kill him. But we just need you to set it up. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Paul had a nephew. Did y'all know that Paul had a nephew? See, if you read every scripture, you learn some stuff about Paul. Paul had a sister. Paul had a nephew. Paul's nephew heard this happening. He goes into the prison and says, hey, Paul, don't go down there tomorrow. They're going to kill you if you go down there. And so then Paul called one of the centurions into him and said, bring this young man into the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. Bring, bring my nephew to the captain. Let him tell him something. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner, called unto me and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who hath something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and said, what do you need to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring me down tomorrow into the council as though you would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them. Don't, don't do that. For there lie in wait for him of them more than 40 men which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain <clears throat> then let the young man depart and charged him, see thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions saying, make ready. You ready? He said, make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea and horsemen 310 and spearmen 200 at the third hour of the night. 40 men have said they're going to kill Paul. And here's how the Lord protects him with 710 men. 200 soldiers, three, uh, uh, three score and 10. I'm sorry, that's three score and 10. I said 310. That's my bad. Three score and 10. A score in your Bible is 20. So that's 60 plus 10. That's 70. And three and, and 10 and spearmen 200. So it's actually 470. 470 men 
to guard against 40 men that have decided they're going to kill Paul. Do you see the hand of God's protection? Jesus came down and said, Paul, don't worry about it. You witnessed to me in Jerusalem. You're going to make it to Rome. You're going to witness to me in Rome as well. And I don't care about these 40 men, and I don't care about the, the vow they've taken, and I don't care about the curse they put themselves under. I don't care that they've made their choice that they're going to kill you. I have a better plan. And if it takes 410, 470 men to get you up out of here, we're going to get you up out of here. Amen. Provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter after this manner. Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor Felix, sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. Ain't God good? Let me just put this here. God has, is using Paul now in a mighty way. And the reason that Paul is able to be used in the way that he's being used is because he has the ability to be used because he is a Jew who has a Roman citizenship. And God has chosen Paul, pulled him out of what he was in, and now using Paul to really bring a great revival among many people because Paul has the freedom to move. If this would have been Peter, they'd have killed him the first night. If this would have been John, they would have killed him the first night. If this would have been Andrew, they would have killed him the first night. If this would have been any other disciple, they would have not been able to move through Asia freely being a Roman citizen. They would have had no access. <clears throat> These men never left, never left Jerusalem because they were not able to. They were not free to travel the way that Paul was free to travel because Paul had a Roman citizenship. God is able to use him in a way that he can't use anybody else because of what he had. Everybody has a different gifting. And there's rooms that you can be in and be effective in that I can't be effective in that room because I don't have the credentials to be effective in that room. Somebody said amen. And so when God has called you to do something, I should be able to rejoice in your gift because you may have something different than I have that can speak to somebody on a different level. You may be free to move in those realms. And sometimes me and you see people who we thought were one way being able to be used in a certain way and we discredit them because we don't understand their gift. Oh, come on, somebody. We don't understand their credentials. They can move in that world and still be able to keep their influence. Amen? Yeah. And so the only reason that, that Paul isn't dead is because of verse 27. We rescued him having understood that he was a Roman. His Roman citizenship is what has kept him alive this long. And then he said, and when I would have known the cause thereof, they accused him. I brought him forth into their council, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, but to have nothing laid to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. They brought him to me. I couldn't, I didn't hear anything that was worthy of death or even putting a man in jail. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers, as it was, commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. On the morrow, they left the horsemen to go with him and return to the castle, who, when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Saul also before him. And when the governor read the letter, he asked of what providence he was. And when he 
when he understood that he was of Sicilia, I will, he, he said, I will hear thee, said he. Then thy accusers are also come. When thy accusers are also come, and he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. Verse, chapter 24, verse 1. And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullius, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullius began to accuse him, saying, See, seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very, very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. We accept it always and in all places, both most noble Felix, with all thankfulness, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilence. This man is a pestilence to us. We found this man a pestilence, fellow, and a mover of sedition among all Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. This is, this is what we think of this man. This, this is his accusations of Paul who also have gone about to profane the temple whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain Lysias came upon us and with great violence took him away from out of our hands. Well, now we know that's not true. They already lying. You in the courthouse lying already. Commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented saying that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Ain't Paul so good with words? He said, I, he said I, you've been such a good judge. I'm so glad to answer for myself. Because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. But this I confess unto thee. I, I will make a confession. Here's my confession. The way that which they call heresy, so, I worship, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope towards God, that they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and toward men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. Whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult. I wouldn't cause a ruckus. Who ought to have been here before thee an object if thou had aught against me. Or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead. I am called in question to you this day. And when Felix, when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he, he deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the utmost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. So they put Paul in, in, um, in the easiest security. They got maximum security and they got really light security. They put Paul in the light security. After certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who, uh, which was a Jewess, 
he sent for Saul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. So now Felix, the judge, and his wife, who was a Jew, brought Paul, and they would hear this word of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the, the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. For two years, Felix continued to talk with Paul, never loosing him, keeping him bound. So this is, this is where we understand that Paul had the time to write to Timothy. He had the time to write to the church in Philippi. He had the time to write to the church in Galatia. He had the time to write to the church in Corinth. When we see these letters, as we go through the New Testament, and I hope to do this with every New Testament letter that Paul wrote, because he wrote to the Corinthian church. But when he wrote to them, he was in prison. He was in prison for two years. And, and at, the, the Bible said that Felix would call on him often. And he would go and talk to Felix and Drusilla. And he would talk to them about Christ and, and about the gospel. We, we, we have no understanding that, Philip, that Felix was ever converted, but we know for two years he talked to Paul. And in those two years, Paul wrote letters to the churches that he had started in Corinth, in Galatia, in Philippi. He wrote letters to these churches. <clears throat> and, and many times in some of these letters, we see him, Paul in bonds, write to you. Because he's, he's in prison. Now, he's in, he's in minimum security. But he's still in prison. He's still bound. He can't go freely. People can come see him, and he, and, and, and he can have visitors. He can't leave. He, he's on a, a virtual house arrest, as we would call it. So for two years, this happens. Let's, let's go into verse 25. Let's go into chapter 25. Now, when Festus was coming to the providence, after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him. And desired favor against him, that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. Two years have passed by. These people still want to kill Paul. And desired favor against him, that he would send him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself would depart surely thither. Let them therefore, said he, <clears throat> which among you are able to go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea and the next day sitting on the judgment seat commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood around about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, <clears throat> which they could not prove. Two years later, they're still trying to kill Paul. Festus now, we had Felix, now we have Festus. He's there, he's a higher rank than Felix. He wants to hear the story now. They come and they tell all the stuff about Paul. But the Bible says they could not prove any of it. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, <clears throat> nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Will thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? 
Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if, I, but if there be none of these things whereof thou, these, these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Now, you have to understand this. If you understand the history of this time, when, when a Roman citizen makes this statement, everything's over. When he says, I appeal unto Caesar, that's it. They have to give him, this is like, this is like being in, in an interrogation room today in, in our society and being like, you know what, I want a lawyer. As soon as I say that, as a citizen of this country, I have rights. When I say I want a lawyer, no one else can ask me a question. It's over. Y'all got to stop everything and get me a lawyer. If, if it's on record that I said I want a lawyer, anything you ask me after this without my lawyer being present is not admissible in the court. Because I'm a citizen of this country and I have rights as a citizen. So here's Paul. Paul says, I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. <clears throat> and after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There's a certain man left in bonds by Felix. Felix had this guy in prison for two years, left him here. Now he's my problem. He's appealed unto Caesar. And, and you know, Felix is, uh, and, and now... Agrippa, King Agrippa is the king, and he's like, I got this problem here, <clears throat> about whom when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him, to whom I answered, it is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that which he is accused, have the accusers face to face, and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. I told him, we can't just kill him. He's a, he's a Roman citizen, and there's a process of elimination here. There, there is a process, a protocol we have to follow. Therefore, when they were come hither without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded a man to be brought forth. Against whom when the accuser stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. <laughs> they had nothing to say. They just kept talking about this man named Jesus, who they say is dead. Paul says he's alive. The biggest dispute I can find between this man Paul and these Jews is a man named Jesus. They say he's dead. He says he's alive. <laughs> Woo, that's a good word. <laughs> And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judge of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved until the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. That's Caesar Augustus. I, I, I can't, he's like, when he commanded, when he appealed to, to, to talk to Caesar, I, I just had to lock him down because I, I can't do anything until I can send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou shalt hear him. Now, if you're confused about who's the king 
and who's King Agrippa and who's Festus and who's Felix and, and now and, 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 who, and who, who's Caesar. Kind of think of it like this. Kind of think of it like the Queen of England is the Queen, you know, and, and now we have a King of England. But the Prime Minister is the person who's going to deal with this issue. Caesar is the Prime Minister. Agrippa is the king. But Agrippa doesn't have to hear this. He's going he's gonna to let, you know, he's going to let the lower courts deal with this. But what's happening right now is, in this situation, it would be like Queen Elizabeth hearing a matter that she may never hear of until she has a meeting with the prime minister once a week. And the prime minister says, by the way, I had this situation. This guy came and I had to go hear this court matter and just want to let you know about it. But this is in reverse now. King Agrippa is getting a first-hand seat. The the king, Caesar Augustus, is like the prime minister over, over Rome. He is the head of government, right? King Agrippa is the head of the country. Make sense? Everybody with me now? Okay. So King Agrippa says to Festus, I would also hear the man myself. I want to hear, I want to hear this too. Uh, tomorrow, said he, we're we, we going to hear him. And on the morrow when Agrippa was come and Bernice with great pomp and was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city, as Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here pres- <clears throat> present with us, ye see this man about whom all the multitude of Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had I might have somewhat to write. For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. Chapter 26, and I'm I'm probably going to stop right around in here. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand. (laughs) Paul was a preacher, y'all. I got to get my stance right. Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. Here's what he said. I think myself happy. Hold up, time out. If we do the math, you've been in prison for about two and a half years. How can you be happy? He said, oh, My circumstances may not seem happy, but I'm happy up here. He didn't say, I am happy. He said, I think myself happy. See, because Paul understood. It was Paul that told us, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul knew that it was in my mind. I think myself happy. Look at my circumstance. On the outside of these walls, there's men that want to kill me. On the inside of these walls, there is bondage and accusation. But I'm happy. I'm happy, King Agrippa. Let me tell you why I'm happy. Because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be 
expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech them thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. I used to be them, sir. Sir, hear me, sir. I was them. They know that. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I did also in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison. I did that. Having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I did that. And I punished them often in every synagogue. And compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priest. See, I used to be them. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when they were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For this caused the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day witnessing both to small and to great. I've talked to the fellow prisoners and I've preached to Felix and his wife. I've talked to everybody who listen. Anybody who listen. I'll talk to the man on the street and I'll talk to you, King Agrippa. I'll, to, to large and to small. To great and to small. Yeah. Saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. I've, I haven't said anything that the prophets and Moses didn't say was going to happen. Everything I've said is exactly what they said. That Christ should suffer. That he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Festus got loud. 
Festus said, Paul, you're crazy. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness, for the king knoweth these things. The king knows what I'm talking about. Before whom also I, I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. He knows about Jesus. He know, He's the king. He knows about Jesus. He knows about the empty tomb. This thing wasn't done in the corner. I'm not talking about something that's obscure. I'm not talking about some back of the newspaper type story. This thing wasn't done in a corner. This thing was done in front of the whole world. Yeah. <clears throat> he said, I'm not mad. But noble Festus, speak forth the words of truth and soberness. This thing was not done in the corner. Verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost. <laughs> almost. You almost did it. You almost did it. Oh, what a tragedy to be almost persuaded. He said, you know, you believe. I know you believe. And he said, almost. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. Accept these bonds. <laughs> he said, I wish you'd be like me. I am almost and altogether. Accept these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves saying, this man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. They had a side meeting and they said, this man has done nothing wrong. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. What? Did you catch that? Listen, listen, listen. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, I'm the king. Okay, listen, I'm the king. What I've heard, I would have set this man free today. I would have set this man at liberty today, but he appealed to Caesar. So we got to take him to Caesar now. You know, if it had been up to me, and I'm the king, I'm above, I'm above Caesar. I would have let this man go. But he appealed to Caesar, so let's give him his, let's give him his time with Caesar. Here's the deal, if, he would, if King Agrippa would have let Paul go that day, the Jews would have killed him. <laughs> and you know where Caesar's at? Somebody tell me where Caesar is. Rome. <laughs> Gotta go to Rome, baby. <laughs> we have to go to Rome. We're in Caesarea. We're not in Rome yet. We have to go to Rome. Jesus told him, you witness to me. You are witnessing and you will witness to me in Jerusalem, but you will also witness to me in Rome. And even though King Agrippa heard a mighty convincing word and would have himself let Paul go at liberty that day, 
there was a plan in the background. And he said, you know, because he appealed unto Caesar, we can't let him go. He has to go now to Caesar. And Caesar is in Rome. Yep. And I'm going to read the first verse of chapter 27 and we're done tonight. And when it was determined that he should sail unto Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustus band. And they got into a ship. Ooh, you don't want to miss next one. You don't want to miss next one. Because now they're on that ship. Y'all know about that ship. Some good things about to happen. He's on his way to Rome. He's on his way to Rome. There's going to be a lot of storm, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. But it don't matter. The Lord told me I'm going to Rome. By God, if I come in on a piece of broken wood, I'm going to Rome. The Lord told me I'm going to Rome, so I'm going to Rome. Amen. It's been good for you tonight. Would you stand with me? Amen. You know, there's a couple things here in, in, in these scriptures that pretty much my entire Christian life, and I've, I've read the Bible, but when you're reading the Bible, most of the time when I've read the Bible, it's for the process of reading the Bible. I want to be able to say, yeah, I read the Bible in a year. So I'm just reading through, and I'm not really taking my time. There's a couple things that I've learned in just these last few chapters that I never really saw before. The first thing is, Paul had a nephew who saved his bacon. Paul had a sister, and her sister had a son. I never really saw that before in the Scripture. And the second thing I saw that really, that really stuck out to me was that King Agrippa was convinced to let Paul go free. But because he had appealed to Caesar, he couldn't. Because when a Roman says, I appeal to Caesar, he has to have that counsel with Caesar. That is a right of a Roman citizen. And so he was not going to negate him his right. He said, I don't how we could let him go today. But because he appealed to Caesar, let's send him to Italy. And so now there's a part of Paul's journey that will have to happen because at some point, two years into his bondage, he finally said, you know what? I want to talk to Caesar. And that got the whole ball rolling for him to meet Festus and then for him to meet King Agrippa when he said, I want to speak to Caesar. It's, it's interesting how this all plays out. And it also gets a, puts a good time stamp on how long Paul spent in Jerusalem in prison being able to write letters to different churches. I mean, you can write a lot of letters in two years. That's a lot of time on your hands. And it just brings a little clarity to the Bible that I love. I love having that clarity. And then when we go to other parts and other books of the New Testament and we read certain little things, we're like, oh, wow, that's when he was here and this was happening. And Oh, yeah, Paul's writing about this. He's talking about this that happened in the book of Acts. Makes it connect. Makes the Bible come alive. And it makes it a real story. Amen? And not just a fairy tale. We, we, we ain't in here reading the Lord of the Rings, y'all. All right? This ain't Narnia. All right? Ain't no special closet around here. This is real stuff that really happened. I think that sometimes we stay in a Sunday school mindset and we just put these stories together like boop, 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 boop. This is how it happened. But when you get the little nuances in between it, you're like, man, this is a much bigger story. This is a greater story to tell that's beautiful in all of its ways. And it's amazing how many people of power were able to stand before Paul, literally 
the most powerful people in the world. Think, think about this. Rome had conquered the known world this time. Rome was the, it, Rome was it. They had conquered the known world. And the top four people in the world stood before Paul and Paul preached the gospel to them. In the world. The top four people in the world stood before a prisoner, a lowly prisoner named Paul, and he told him about Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected. That's powerful to me. That's amazing. Don't, don't doubt God. He'll, he'll put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. Amen? That's a good word. Amen. Let's pray. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.